Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing okay? Doing okay? First day of fall was yesterday. First day of fall was yesterday. I'm not ready. I'm not ready, you guys. I miss the sun when it's gone. (sighs) But I just add a little bit of extra vitamin D to my my vitamin regimen and just got to suck it up. It's the way it works. Well, listen, I heard, a, I heard a story this week. I wanted to share it with you guys. It was about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching a lesson to her students on the subject of honesty. This teacher was talking about honesty. And she had a sneaking suspicion that one of her young charges, that instead of putting his sweaty little balled-up dollar you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, like little boys when they go to children's church, there's always, like, they can't, it's not neatly folded in their pocket, it's like balled up like this and it's, it's always wet. I don't know how that happens, but little boy's sweaty, wet dollar um, had not made its way into the little basket that they passed around in the Sunday school room. And so, you know, this teacher, now she was not a vineyard teacher, I need to make this clear because nobody in our children's ministry would talk to a kid like this, but this is old school Sunday school teacher lady. So she went straight for like fear, guilt, and manipulation. The best motivators for kids, right? No, 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 no. But this, that's just where the lady was. So to her, her young charge that was hanging onto his dollar, she, she put her hand on her hip and she said, Billy, do you know where Little boys who don't put their money in the offering plate go. And Billy was kind of taken off guard by this attention. He did not know that he had been found out, and so he didn't have time to come up with like a smooth story or whatever. He was just sort of startled. So he said, yes, ma'am, I know, I know where they go. They go to the movies. They go to the movies. Okay, that's a, that's a cheesy joke. I'm sorry. I'm bad at telling jokes, and that's a cheesy joke, but, you know, most jokes are. But I love, I love that joke because the reason that it's a little bit funny is because just like all good humor, what it points out is, is something that's real and is true about the world. And what I know is absolutely true today is that there is an awful lot of weirdness that comes up whenever we have to talk about money and giving in the church to the church. The whole subject is just full of weird feelings, right? Not the least of which is the idea that like little Billy, you know, if you hang on to your money and you don't give it to the church, there's something better you could do with it, something that's just quite a lot more fun. Going to the movies. Even kids feel the weirdness. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're honest around here. We talk about stuff like it's real. So I'm going to confess to you guys before I start that I had, I had a little bit of anxiety when I was preparing this message. Uh, quite a bit of anxiety. And it's exactly for that reason, because there's so much weirdness around the way we communicate about money in the church. And this will be the first time that I'm doing it. So a little bit of anxiety. I care about you guys. That's the thing. I really care about you guys. And so when we're talking about something that could potentially be uncomfortable, I want to be careful how I communicate. I want to make sure that I do that well. 
especially if it's something that, that might be weird. But, but the thing is, we can't just not talk about stuff that makes us uncomfortable. Isn't that true? We can't just shy away from that subject. That wouldn't be very responsible of me. I mean, imagine, and it's not too hard to imagine because it exists in our world, that there are plenty of preachers who only talk about the fluffy, shiny, fun stuff about the Bible. That's true. And gosh, you know, we could, we could do that. That's, that's a way that we could approach this. And we'd feel really good. We could all feel good together on Sunday morning. That'd be great. All the warm, fun, uh, fuzzy feelings for that hour. But without the challenge that comes with having conversation about the things that are difficult to talk about, about the things that make us uncomfortable, we just really don't grow. And good feelings, you know, for that hour might be great, but that's not enough to carry us through the rest of our week and through the rest of our lives. And so since I definitely, I don't know a lot, I don't know a lot, honestly, but what I do know is I want to be a good and responsible pastor, if that's possible. So we're not going to shy away from a topic just because it's uncomfortable. We're continuing in our series this week on worship as a lifestyle. Worship as a lifestyle. And this week, we're going to take a look at what it means to worship God through our finances, and specifically through giving. But before we start, I want to ask you guys something. I have a request. I'm just, I'm coming humbly to you, and I'm asking that you would extend grace to me, that you would just start out right now with a posture of grace toward me as I, as I communicate this subject. I want to ask you if you would keep an open mind, even if you've got weirdness about giving and about finances, that you would keep an open mind toward God's word. And in return, I want to offer you a reassurance that I have absolutely no intention of trying to manipulate you with this subject. There's no reason to do that. I mean, listen, we already took up the offering today, right? So that's done with. What you gave is what you gave. It's fine. There's no benefit to me for manipulating you. Um, and, and furthermore, I don't really have any use for, I don't know, a really big private jet plane or something like that. You know, I'm afraid of heights. So no worries, no worries. I'm not trying to pick your pocket with this message. Okay, so I'm going to assume that anybody who didn't sneak out the back door when they heard what we were going to be talking about today, I'm going to assume that we are in agreement and you are with me. Is that, is that fair enough? You stayed, so you're with me. Okay. All right. Here we go. Why do we need to talk about this? Why do we even need to talk about it at all? Why do we talk about money at church? Why can't we just let it go and just everybody do their own thing? I, I don't know. Well, it's, it's really simple why, like the Bible talks a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot about finances, about generosity, about giving, about, about what we do with our physical resources. There are well over 2,000 scripture verses or passages that deal with this topic. So apparently, the way that we think about and the way that we use our physical resources matters to God. Apparently, it matters to him. 
I don't think that it really comes as a surprise to anyone that that's the case. And I hope that it's not a surprise to you that we're including it in this series when we're talking about worship. Because what have we been talking about over the last several weeks? We've, we've talked through how we want to expand our definition of worship, a variety of ways that we can do that. But the goal is, is that no matter what specific aspect of our life we're talking about, what we want to understand is that worship is a heart that is postured toward God. It is about what is reflected through whatever behavior activity that is, a heart that is responding to God. That's what worship is. It includes the entirety of our life. And this is an important discussion, I think especially for those of us who are part of kind of the Western world, the Western way of thinking about things, we're so used to compartmentalizing our lives, right? Do you know what I mean by that, compartmentalizing? So church is a place that I go on Sunday morning, I go for an hour and a half, sometimes twice a month, maybe, or more, you know, if you're on staff or whatever. What is worship? Worship is the four or five songs that we sang today. The rest of my life is nobody else's business. Don't we sometimes think that? But that is such a complete departure from the biblical concept of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus or be in Christian community. That's the title of the series. The title of the series is Infused. Infused. Our whole life, every single aspect of life can be permeated by God's presence. And the God who created us in the first place, he's the one that made us. He's the one that designed us. He has wisdom to offer us about the things that can bring us closer to him and the things that can pull us away from him if not in proper place. And money, money is absolutely one of those things that if it's not held firmly in its proper position in our lives, it has the potential to pull us away from God. And that's why Satan, I think, loves to capitalize on this weirdness about it by the way. I mean, that's, that's not difficult to see. If he can convince us, if the enemy of our soul who hates us and wishes we were dead or at the very least in bondage and misery, if he could convince us that giving is not in our best interest, that to be generous is to be foolish, that hoarding our resources for ourselves is the way that we can be safe and secure, if he can convince us of those things, he's gained quite a foothold. Quite a foothold. But in contrast, it is God's heart, the drum that I beat week after week, it is God's heart that we would experience freedom. Freedom. Freedom from greed. Freedom from selfishness. And freedom from worry. Does anybody else ever feel like worry is just like, like a lead blanket all over you from worry? Wouldn't it be nice to be free from that? One of the, the mechanisms for freedom in that area that God has provided is for us to hold on very loosely 
to material things. It is his heart that we would ultimately trust him. Trust him. It's in that same passage in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, I know you, you guys, have, most of you have heard this verse where Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You'll, you'll love one and you'll hate the other. You can't serve both of them. That verse is in the same passage where he talks about how we should look at the birds, we should look at the plants, because God is concerned for creation. And so how much more does he understand what we need and what, how much more is he concerned with us? Now, this is a, a huge topic. There's a lot of ways we could go in a, a message about giving, about finances, 2,000 2, plus Verses worth of ways we could go, remember? So maybe, maybe one day, maybe next year or something, maybe we'll do a series on finances if there's interest in that. But today it was my heart to just keep this pretty simple. Pretty simple. Living a lifestyle of worship simply means having a heart that is postured toward God in every area of our life, and that includes our finances. So we're going to look at three New Testament passages that I think can help us as we think about what it looks like, what giving looks like when it is aligned with God's heart, when our heart is aligned with God's heart. Giving should be done when we give, it's not if we give, it's when we give. Giving should be done cheerfully, regularly, and sacrificially. So first of all, let's talk about giving being done cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Feel free to use your wireless device if you've got that if you if you need a bible to look at there's some in the windowsills there the words will always be on the screen behind me but second corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 says this each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver Man, if we were tense about the subject of finances, this should really, really, it should take the edge off. Like if you were holding your breath because you're not sure where I'm going and what I'm going to say, you can just let it out now. You can let it out now. This is such a great place to start. And I started here on purpose because part of the weirdness when we talk about money comes from that feeling that you are under compulsion, that you are under compulsion. And listen, I don't want to miscommunicate. It's absolutely true that the way that giving and generosity and sharing of our financial resources for a, for a follower of Jesus, it's not optional. It's as I said before, it's when we give, it's not if we give. That's absolutely true. But the theme of the whole series, Week after week, I've said this, worship is not a thing that God demands from us so that he will love us. And it's no different here. 
Worship is the way that we respond to God, to his love and his action in our lives. God initiates, we respond. God initiates, we respond. Giving is at the heart level. Giving is an act of response. It is an acknowledgement to God that everything we have, every single thing that we have, down to the very breath in our lungs, is a gift. It's a gift from him. Giving is an acknowledgement that we trust God's provision in our lives. We trust his concern for us. And so out of a heart that is full of gratitude, we respond to his love and his action in our lives by giving away a part of what has been given to us. That's it. It doesn't do you much good spiritually to give reluctantly or out of obligation or compulsion. It's just like it doesn't do you much good to read scripture or attend church or volunteer or do anything out of that heart of like obligation and drudgery. I mean, there's some benefit in, in discipline when you're not feeling all the warm, fuzzy feelings, of course, that's not what I'm saying. But if we're doing things for God out of a sense of duty and obligation, we are missing out on the heart of the whole thing. So God loves a cheerful giver. It might just as well say, God loves a cheerful Christian, period. Worshiping God through our finances ought to start with this understanding that giving is something that we get to do. It's not something that we have to do. It should be done cheerfully. Secondly, giving should be done regularly. We're gonna read from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses one and two. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he says, now, about the collection for the Lord's people, Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So Paul was talking here, he was communicating some practical logistics regarding an offering that was going to be collected. And in this specific instance, the specific context, they were taking up an offering for the church in Jerusalem that had experienced some hardship, could be because of a famine or maybe just because early church members were were heavily persecuted and that included in economic ways. And so the the other churches that were spread out a little bit, they were going to get together and, and take up a collection to share with their brothers and sisters in need. But he's saying to them, to this church in Corinth, which is apparently what he said to the church in Galatia as well, this is a good, like, this is a good idea. Hey, guys, um, we talked about you participating in this offering. We were all going to get together and do this thing. Um, here's a smart way we could do this. Here's something that just makes sense practically. Let's not wait until the last minute. Let's, let's everyone figure out an amount and we'll just save it up, we'll collect it as we go. And that way, you know, we're not scrambling at the end, right? 
That sounds a lot like what we do here, doesn't it? Isn't that what we do? We all look at you know, what we make, what our resources are, what we have available to us. We decide how much we can give. We, we pray about that. We look at our budget. We say, you know, this is the amount that I've decided I can give. And we collect it as we go. Some of us give on a weekly basis. Some of us on a monthly basis. You know, but regularly, as we go. We pool our resources so that we can care for this building, we can care for the people in the church, we can do the things that we feel like God has called us to do as a group. We pool our resources. Without regular giving, it would severely limit the things that we could provide and the things that we could accomplish. And I think this is one of those spots where it's really helpful, just want to talk about for a second, Um, We have to realize that the church, like the church, it's not this nebulous, abstract entity, right? Like a corporation or the church. We, We fall into this habit sometimes, right? It sounds like this. The church needs to do so and so whatever it is, the church ought to start a tutoring program for underprivileged fourth graders. The church ought to do that. That's a great idea. When can you start? Crickets, always crickets. Listen, listen, you guys. This This is super important. I want you to look around the room. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Look around the room. Look up in the balcony. Look across the aisle, behind you, look around the room, see the people? This is the church. You are the church. You guys. You and me. Everything that we do at Vineyard Rolla, every single thing we do, whether it's a project, whether it's a service we provide, Whatever we do, it is driven by the time, the talents, and the treasures of the people that are sitting in the seats in this room. Every single thing. So don't fall into the trap of thinking that it doesn't matter if you contribute, whether that's financially or whether that's with your time. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that it doesn't matter if you take part. It matters that we are all engaged and that we're doing so regularly. Giving should be done regularly. And then finally, giving should be done sacrificially. Looking at a parable that Jesus told in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. This would have been a central location, you know, in the temple back in that day. So Jesus sat and watched the place where the offerings were put. He watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And most of you know this story. Jesus called his disciples to him, 
and said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others because they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. The rich people and the widow. Which one did you identify with? As I read the story, did you imagine yourself as one of the rich people or as the widow? I started asking myself those kind of questions. It was several years ago when our former pastor pointed out during a sermon that when we come to Scripture, when we read it, we... we have a tendency to cast ourselves in the most heroic role in the story, the, the most sympathetic role. We have a tendency to, to cast ourselves in that spot. But it's so very interesting in this particular case. Because whether or not we see ourselves as rich has an awful lot to do with our method of measurement. So a few weeks ago, there was a new guy that came to the mission on Sunday morning. For those of you who don't know, the mission is uh, it's a nonprofit that began as a, an outreach of Vineyard Church. It's, it's, breakfast is happening downstairs as we speak. Um, it's for, for people that need a place to do laundry or take a shower, need, need a hot meal, it's just an outreach to those who are struggling in our community. Um, and there was a new guy a couple of weeks ago, and he came upstairs for a little while before service started, and he was having a conversation with Vince. And this particular guy was homeless. Uh, probably about a quarter to a third of the people that utilize the services in the mission are homeless. Uh, some of them, you know, have slept out in, in our bushes over the summer, right there in the mulch. You know, the mission is open overnight during the winter hours just, just to help people, you know, not to be out when it's freezing, but they're just not quite there logistically to provide year-round shelter yet. That will happen one day, I believe. It will happen one day. But for now, for now, it's not. Um, so this guy was homeless. He was hoping that he could scrounge up enough money to be able to stay in a hotel room that night because he'd been sleeping out for quite a while. Um, and so what he asked Vince was, would it be okay if once, you know, people started arriving for church, would it be okay if he asked some of the rich people in the church if they could help him out? You know, basically he wanted to, you know, collect money from, from the people in our church, from the rich people in our church. And later after service was over, when Vince was telling me about this encounter... I laughed. I laughed out loud. I did. I laughed. We're not a church full of rich people, are we? I mean, you know, for the most part, we do okay. We, you know, everybody, you know, we kind of get by, but I have conversations every single week with people about how an unexpected doctor visit 
or a funny noise the car is making creates some anxiety. You know, finances are tight. Providing for our kids the things that they need, that's, it's all, it's a source of stress. It's challenging. We're not rich. We're not rich, are we? There's no billionaires here that I'm aware of. If there are, they're certainly not tithing the full 10%, I'll tell you that. So I laughed. I laughed at this story. I shook my head when I heard that this guy wanted to talk to the rich people in our church. But then Vince and I finished finished locking up. We walked down the sidewalk toward our car that was parked in the parking lot. And you know, our car is 14 years old, but we were able to put new tires on it this year. And we drove over that day to Alex's Pizza because we were gonna have lunch with a friend. And we got an appetizer and two meals. I got the Euro, I'm kind of partial to the Euro. It's the Chicago girl in me. And after lunch, we went home to our solid little house over on Linwood Street. And we took a nap in our safe, dry bed. There wasn't a piece of mulch in it. And I thought about this guy. Listen, I have everything that I need. I have everything that I need and more than that. I am, in fact, a rich person. A rich person. Maybe not if I compare myself to a Hollywood actress or a professional athlete, but no matter what we're talking about, those are not helpful comparisons to make. So when I come to scripture, when you come to scripture, we would do well to be mindful of the comparisons that we are making. In the case of this parable, Jesus is saying to me, Marie, Marie, are you giving to me only out of your excess? Is all that you would offer to me what you think you have to spare? Or would you bet the farm? Would you bet it all on me? On my love for you, on my concern for you, on what I'm calling you to do for the kingdom? Would you offer to me everything that you have? or just what's extra? That's the question Jesus is asking me. Maybe he's asking you the same question. It's my prayer that all of us, all of us would learn to trust God so completely that we would always be able to answer as the widow did by offering to Jesus everything we have. Giving should be sacrificial. As we close today, 
I hope that you feel like we will, were able to keep our agreement. I hope that you were able to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and to God's voice. Not so much mine, but the voice of Scripture and the Spirit and the way that he is speaking to your heart about the idea of what it looks like to worship God with our finances. I hope that I was able to communicate well and avoid causing you to feel manipulated in any way because that's not my heart. And most of all, I hope that we as a community will continue to press in, even when it might feel uncomfortable, even when it's awkward, and even when it's weird. I want us to press into every topic, any topic, that can help us to grow into more complete and mature disciples of Jesus. Because after all, that is who we want to be, a people who follow Jesus everywhere, in every aspect of our lives. And I believe with all of my heart, and I wouldn't stand here and say it to you if I didn't, that learning how to give with a heart posture, learning how to give cheerfully, regularly, and sacrificially, I believe with all my heart that that gets every single one of us closer to that goal of being complete and mature followers of Jesus. So thanks for hanging in there with me today. Thank you. I made it through my first sermon on finances. That's quite a milestone for a preacher. I'm glad I got to experience it with you. Let's pray together.